This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 461. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. I've said that about a gazillion times, 400 and some odd. <laughs> Today, I've got with me Jacob Paulson, the man that has been with me from the beginning. But I've uh, not that many times, though. Not 400 something. That's true. No. But uh, quite a few, hundreds of times still. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. We are excited to be doing this episode today uh, because, well, first of all, you should know that we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving, and I love Thanksgiving. I think I almost like Thanksgiving more than Christmas. Almost. I also love Christmas, mostly because my kids love Christmas. But I will say kind of a funny story. My, my daughter, uh, one year, it was Thanksgiving Day, and she said... What is, or she said, uh, no, it was the day before Thanksgiving. And she, she said, today is the best day ever. And, and we're like, oh, okay, but tomorrow's Thanksgiving. So what does that make tomorrow? The next day? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the day before Thanksgiving is the best day ever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a new Bowman tradition. I don't, I don't remember what the whole context of that was now, but it was pretty funny. We had a good laugh about it. Anyway, uh, we hope everybody out there has or had, if you're catching this after the fact, a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Today's episode, we're covering legislative news updates. We've got some updates from the Supreme Court. and This is actually an update on a story we covered just last week. And last week we said this case was tabled, and so now there's a an update to that story. So we'll cover that here momentarily. Uh, we got some. Uh, we got dudes getting in trouble for selling wall hangers online. We'll explain what that is and uh, what what's going on with that particular case. We're going to talk about what the future in America could look like as far as your gun rights and uh, particularly things like gun taxes and also the ever popular pistol braces we'll cover all kinds of things here today on this episode you won't want to miss it stick around the episode sponsor brought to you by ccw safe we are proud to have ccw safe as on board and as partners of the concealed carry podcast guys uh i'm a member of ccw safe jacob's a member of ccw safe i don't believe that there is a better self-defense coverage program out there and so yeah, you guys should check out CCW Safe. Uh, don't we have a podcast uh, listeners discount, Jacob? Yes, we do. CC podcast, I think it is. Mm, um, I, yeah. <laughs> See, we, you're like me. Like this, this sort of thing is not always at the forefront of our mind. But uh, CC uh, podcast, all one word. C C P O D C A S T coupon code. We'll save you 10% off, I think, of your there you CCW go. Safe coverage. And a comment here from a live viewer. Randy says he switched to CCW Safe today. Good job, Randy. You are a wise man, Randy. And I'll just say there's some really exciting things coming from CCW Safe and, and us. Okay. There's, there's cool stuff happening. All right. Don't know what that all looks like yet, but it's going to be great no matter what. Uh, 
Yeah. Can't say much more than that, can I, Jacob? No. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, uh, guys, take me seriously when I say that uh, I don't believe there's a, f- there's a finer coverage program out there. And uh, I'm proud to be a member of CCW Safe. Um, other sponsor of this, today's episode is our Legal Boundaries by State book. Uh, we always recommend you pick up a copy of those. Now is a good time of the year. Many of you might be on the road for holiday travel or whatever it is, and that's the perfect road companion or travel companion is knowing and and having at your fingertips a 50-state guide of gun-related and carry laws, as well as other great information and tips and articles and things that are basically compiled in the back half of that book, talking about hotels and restaurants and air travel and all kinds of other travel. So guys, pick up a copy of the legal boundaries by state today. You have the option of either the online uh, PDF version of of it and also the paper copy or or both. So check it out. Oh, did I mention the CCW safe website? I don't think Uh, I did. People should know it though. CCWsafe.com. Right. I think that the average podcast listener today is capable of using Google, but I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, Back to the legal boundaries by state. I was just reminded of about to give the link that I don't think I gave CCW safes one. Um, but the link for the book in case you need it, concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. All right. What one final thought there members of guardian nation save 20% off CCW safe membership and yes, members of guardian nation get a free copy of legal boundaries by state book and ebook. That's a great point. So if either of those sound good, you should probably just go to guardiannation.com and check that out too. You know it. You better believe it. Awesome. Glad that uh, Randy uh, has has switched over to CCW Safe and got the discount. That's great too. And uh, uh, Curtis going to be maybe switching over to CCW Safe. Awesome. Awesome stuff, guys. Let's get into today's stories. First up, uh, this, according to Gallup.com, and Gallup is known for doing all kinds of polls, which um, first thing I would say is, uh, as of late, they're not particularly accurate on some of the election stuff, but um, they've been doing Traditionally, a poll. they do better than most. Yeah. They've been doing a poll since 1990 that's called Americans' Preferences for Gun Laws. And... So and and we've I, I've seen this chart numerous times. We've reported on this before on the podcast. Um, and basically, what this is is they started they started this poll back in 1990, when and, and the poll the result of of people that wanted more strict gun control ha, has never been higher than 1990 when they first did the poll, which was 78 percent of people saying that they uh, they believed that gun laws should be made more strict. Yeah, the, the question, the specific question asked people is, in general, do you feel that the laws covering the sale of firearms should be more strict, less strict, or kept as they are now? Yep, that's the question that's asked. And so in 1990, 78% said, yes, more strict. 17% said, kept as they are. And 2% said, less strict. My, that's quite, that's interesting. Um, fast forward through the years and you see a lot of ups and downs. And uh, in the kind of 2010 to 2012 era, uh, the 
the folks, the respondents to this poll that said more strict or kept as they are were about equal. But since 2012, we've seen an uptick and as of late, a slight downtick in those that believe gun laws should be made more or the sale of firearms uh, and those laws should be made more strict. Right now, the latest report here is that 57% of Americans believe the laws covering the sale of firearms should be made more strict. 34% say kept as they are, and 9% say made less strict. Well, I guess I'm in the 9%. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more about demographics here in a moment because I think the demographic data here is really interesting. But but I think the takeaway, like the obvious like assumption that someone would make without knowing anything else is that in 2020, we've not had any high-profile mass shootings slash killings. And we've had a lot of riots and gun ownership is at all time high. We introduced like 6 million new gun owners in, in this country this year. So all those things would point toward the general public feeling uh, probably being more pro-gun than anti-gun. The, now that, that said, remember that the specific question is being asked that in theory people actually listen to what they're being asked when they answer is, do you feel that the laws covering the sale of firearms should be made more strict, less strict, kept they are now. So, so that's something to think about because a person could be a super pro-gun and still think that the laws covering the sale of firearms should be made more strict in, in their in their opinion, right? Like that they 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 may not see those two things as being at odds, right? Being pro-2A and still thinking that laws regarding the sale of a firearm should be strict. But anyway, moving off of that, the demographic data in here is quite interesting, and particularly for me, Riley, it's the gender data that really caught my eye. Yeah, and what'd you find there? So, guys, <clears throat> check this out. If you if you break this up by gender, you like took all the respondents and you just look at men only, um, it 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 actually really balances out pretty significantly. At that point, forty only forty six percent, less than half of people, think the laws should be more strict. Fifteen percent say less strict, and thirty nine percent say leave it alone, keep it as it is now. But then you look at women, and it's completely different. 67% of women think more strict. So put differently, women are significantly more likely than men to think that we need stricter laws regarding the sale of firearms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what I would like to see, and I'm sure I could dig this info up if I, you know, actually spent the time and, and went digging for it, which I have not. I'd like to see what the demographics of the participants, as far as percentages of those that were more urban versus suburban versus rural versus male versus female, you know, as far as who was actually responding to these questions, um, you know, because I, I, I have no idea. Um, so, yeah. The other interesting thing is that uh, says that 50 or 22 percent of Republicans believe in more strict, 60 percent of independents, 85 percent of Democrats, um, whereas uh, Republicans, 16 percent of them feel it should be less strict and only two percent of Democrats. Uh, basically, it, it, the the Democratic uh, registered voters are a lot more. And, you know, there are a lot more anti-gun as far as wanting more strict laws than than the Republicans are probably pro-gun in wanting less gun laws. Mm-hmm. Interesting split there. Yep. And, and here's a big shocker. 
people who own guns are less likely to think we need stricter gun laws. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's move on. Um, by the way, I don't totally think that that's exactly where America is settled on the matter, but uh, I could be biased in my view of that. That's certainly possible. Um, let's see. Bearingarms.com reports the Supreme Court of the United States accepts case dealing with warrantless gun seizures. Matthew and I talked about this case last week. Uh, reported on it briefly. This is the case known as Coniglia versus Strom. Uh, and, and this is the one out of, uh, was it Rhode Island. That's right. A little tiny state, uh, that Jacob's been to, and I have not, which just kind of makes me a little bit jealous. Although I don't know that there's a whole lot to see in Rhode Island. <laughs> Are you frozen, Jacob? I think he's frozen. Rhode Island. No comeback. I, I, I think I'm What's back. that? Okay. You're back. I'm, I'm back now. So Rhode Island is actually quite gorgeous and old <laughs> and yeah stuff anyway <laughs> the, the here's the deal this this case doesn't really seem to me to have anything to do with guns um frankly like it has everything to do with search and seizure and the the question yes. really being debated is whether or not uh under certain circumstances law enforcement has the right to perform a search and seize things that they find and so in this case if i if i if i understand and, and while i was frozen you might have already said this but um dude and wife have argument Wife leaves. Wife calls cops day or two later and says, "Hey, can you go check on my husband? I haven't heard from him in a few days. We had a, we had a little falling out." Cops show up and check on husband. Cops say, "Hey, we think that you need to go get a mental health check, and if you don't go to the hospital right now, then we're going to seize your guns." And the guys like, "Oh, I don't want you to seize my guns, so I will voluntarily go to the hospital." He does. The hospital says you're fine, and they release him. And he goes on to find out that the cops did, in fact, take his guns. Yep. Yeah. So it, it comes down to whether or not that was a lawful search and seizure of his firearms. Yep. Yep. Uh, it, it, yes, it, it, that's exactly right. This being more of a Fourth Amendment case than a Second Amendment one. But it, but Second Amendment is related in that they were guns that were seized. So there's that additional aspect as well. Um, you know, in other words, the, the property that was seized is something that is protected under the Constitution in its own space. This wasn't like, you know, his PlayStation was taken <laughs> that doesn't have, you know, a, a specific amendment protecting it. Anyway, uh, yeah. So here's what we know. The Supreme Court is going to hear the case. That's what this that's what we're reporting to you here today. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's any ruling or anything like that. Or they haven't even heard the case as far as arguments yet. They've reviewed the case from the lower federal court. They've agreed to hear it, and then we'll see what comes out of it. If there's uh, whether they uh, issue some kind of uh, ruling, you know that that is, uh, you know, it kind of creates new precedent or new case law, or if they send it back to a lower court or or something else entirely. So. Yep. Time will tell. Yep. Moving on to the third article we have from firearms policy, uh, the firearms Co policy coalition, which you can find them at firearmspolicy.org. Uh, this one is really highlighting uh, the, a couple of things. So I'm going to kind of tackle this in a couple of ways. Uh, the, the first thing is reporting that, 
very shortly after the election, where presumably uh, we have President-elect Joe Biden that will begin transitioning into uh, the White House uh, at some point. Uh, of course, there's still legal challenges and stuff at play with that. But uh, he is already his administration has already begun meeting with the ATF. Here's what I perceive, Jacob, and I, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in my initial analysis of this. What I perceive is that you have a bunch of Obama-era uh, uh, people that probably came into the ATF under Obama and have risen up through, because I know in the last five, six years, there's actually been quite a few uh, somewhat prominent people that worked at the ATF that have retired. Uh, and so I perceive you have certain individuals in the ATF that have um, that have their own their own take on what they think the law uh, should should be on certain things. We're talking pistol braces, which are the latest thing that are on the chopping block. Eighty uh, percent receivers. Okay, uh, 3D printed guns or, or receivers as well. All of that is being looked at very closely by the ATF. And it seems to me that they are very um, anxious to begin communicating with the Biden transition team. Now, I don't know what, what is typical with past you know administrations, but it's curious to me, like, that's that, that there's there's plenty of time to begin these this transition and have these conversations about these issues nothing has to happen overnight but within days after the election these talks were were being had so i appreciate your disclaimer right because i also don't know what's typical i know that biden has a transition team and i suspect it's probably super typical for presidential elect people to have transition teams to do things and so it would seem likely that transition teams hold meetings with various government agencies to talk about stuff. So to me, I don't read a lot into the into like a conspiracy that Biden had the team had a call with the ATF, like whatever's on that one. Uh, maybe it is unusual. I really wouldn't know. I just you know I'm not a Washington swamp you know expert. But yeah, what seems very clear from what we the information we have, and and there's. The source here seems pretty clear that someone spoke to John Crump at uh, uh, at Amoland about this. He said he had a source that said who was on this call, and and specifically that Biden's team discussed that their priorities would be pistol braces and eighty percent lowers. So yeah, I guess that's my long way of saying I appreciate your disclaimer that that could be very typical for those those kind of conversations to take place at this time. Yeah. Now, I know someone's going to take issue at me saying Obama era hires. I don't know. Mark wants to know if that's if I know that for a fact. I don't know that for a fact. We could tell you who was on the call. Acting Director Regina Lombardo, Deputy Director Marvin Richardson, and Acting Assistant Director of Enforcement Programs and Services, Curtis Gilbert. No. Um, as to when any of those people, you know, became a thing, and I, I, I honestly have no idea. My perception is that in the last over the last uh, year or so that there's been quite a bit of um, there's been a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes at the ATF 
to go after more gun stuff. Now, whether that is being directed in any way by the Trump administration, uh, or if that is a an internal agenda that the ATF has, I'll say based on what's been going on with other agencies like the FBI, it wouldn't surprise me one bit that there is a hidden agenda at the ATF. And uh, to someone else's sure. point, I'd love to see the ATF go away. I'd love to see the NFA go away. I'd love to see all kinds of things go away with regards to gun, <laughs> gun laws. Uh, I Good would goodness. like to get rid of the bloating. But okay, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about pistol braces and 80% yep. lowers. Here, here's what I'll tell you about pistol braces. Just real quick, my take. They're going away, bro. Yeah. I think they are coming after them hard. Whether or not we'll have to like turn them in or they'll just no longer be sold, that would be that'll be kind of probably what's going to go to, you know, that'll be the debate in my opinion. But anyway, for those who, who don't follow the, the argument, this is not a change to law, right? The law is from 1934, the National Fire Act, the NFA. And, and in 1934, Congress passed a law, the president, whoever that was at the time, signed the law. And that law defines what a short barrel rifle is. And it makes a short, short barrel rifle, an SBR, Ill, illegal, more, more or less. And so some time ago, Someone said, hey, well, we're going to make pistols with kind of long barrels and they'll be pistols. And someone else said, well, yeah, but we'll put this pistol brace on it. This pistol brace is kind of designed to, to wrap, to kind of come off the back of the, the pistol like, like, a, like a buttstock, but it's not a buttstock. It's, you know, it wraps around the forearm and stabilizes it so it's easier for me to shoot, specific, especially one-handed. And someone said, wait a minute, this pistol brace on this pistol I can just shoulder it like a like a buttstock on a rifle, and now I have a short-barreled rifle that's actually a pistol and not a short-barreled rifle. And that's that's the thing. And so for some time, ATF has uh, sided on the side of saying, okay, fine, it's a, a pistol brace, a pistol brace. It doesn't make it an SBR. And if you shoulder it, that's just, I suppose, how you use it, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And well, that's so gone back and forth, actually. It has gone back About and forth a little times. bit. It's not been consistent, and it and it and 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 the ATF generally doesn't make decisions like that at a broad level. They more often make it on a product a specific level, right? A manufacturer makes something, sends it to the ATF, and says, "Can can I sell this? What is this?" The ATF says, "For this specific product, here's the decision we make," and then they send it back. And so, what you end up often with is several products on the market that are all very similar, and the ATF has said yes to these ten, but no to the eleventh one. And so recently, we, we've already seen recently, before the election, the Q, Honey Badger, uh, uh, pistol brace product, being, you know, they got sent a cease and desist letter from the ATF saying, sorry, this is a no-go, despite it being extremely similar to other products that have been approved. So it's an easy thing to go after if you want to go after them, because it does not require a law change. It just requires a tweak in the way we interpret an existing law in the books. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, uh, you know, the latest thing is uh, SB Tactical has, uh, and actually the letter I think is a bit older than what we realize, but uh, this is just coming to light. SB Tactical has received a letter from the ATF uh, in regards to, you know, SB Tactical is like the biggest manufacturer of pistol braces, and they have tons of different styles of pistol braces. And basically in that letter, there were 23 different pistol braces that were identified as not having received ATF approval. And it specified uh, only two models that the uh, that uh, SB Tactical had 
you know, there's only two of them that had been that had actually received a specific letter for. Meanwhile, SB Tactical has been essentially advertising that their braces were ATF approved and things of that nature. So that's that's a whole other interesting set of drama um, in regards to a specific company and their products. Of course, it's again, it's the largest company in, in terms of manufacturing these pistol brace products. Here's here's my take. I see Jared's comment about, you know, it, it hasn't helped that people have posted pictures and videos of them using pistol braces as stocks and, and how that's created a problem. I, I don't see that as being the case at all. Uh, I, I think this whole thing, I think everything about this area of the law is is outdated i think it was it's misguided uh and i think all of this is dumb in the first place um here's the other thing i i wonder about a whole like ada type challenge ada is a whole other section of law right that governs um all kinds of accessibility things for those for americans with disabilities and the way I look at that is, is, is really a pistol brace was sold as, as a means to make it easier for someone, particularly a disabled person. It really started as a solution for some disabled vets that were looking for a way they could use uh, rifles, essentially a rifle, um, more comfortably, more easily with better balance so they could shoot or hunt with those braced uh, uh, firearms. And so thus the, the, the door was cracked open to the idea of a pistol brace. And by nature of how a pistol brace functions and operates, it has to have some kind of rigid extension with a, a piece that is capable of either bracing off of your arm or being attached to your arm. Well, naturally, it works to be able to actually put it against your shoulder and fire it that way as well. Um, I just think the whole thing should go away as far as the uh, yeah, and, and and I was actually thinking about you, Mark, as I was thinking about this. That that you, yes, you have a disability yourself, and you have a legitimate use for that. Um, and I wonder about a whole ADA challenge against any sort of regulation the ATF might hand down in the in the near future on pistol braces. I think that'd be a really interesting court case. Um, but at the same time, I'd love to take on the NFA and the whole idea of a SBR in the in in the in the first place. I don't understand the purpose of the law. I don't know how it makes us safer, frankly. So, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um, I think it's it's we got to remember when the law was passed, right? Like 1934, uh, when mm-hmm. gangsters were rocking Tommy guns, and we wanted to stop them from running around with Tommy guns. But since then, we've learned a lot about guns, specifically like firing one from the hip is not very accurate and ineffective. And spraying bullets around, while it might have been cool in 1930s, you know, gangster Chicago, uh, it's also super ineffective today and gets you, you know, a target on your back from law enforcement. So it's just not a thing today. Like criminals. I mean, maybe I'm naive. Maybe if we got rid of the NFA, then then criminals would start pr- spraying bullets around with Tommy guns. But I kind of doubt it. I kind of think it would not affect anything whatsoever. So I'm, I'm with you, Riley. But but I think that understanding that the law was passed in 1934 and thinking about what was going on at that time leads one to understand why it was why it was passed. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I'll tell you one other thing. With regards to the Biden administration, they have put forth some plans with the intent of taxing people uh, with guns. They 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 they've made their their intent clear that they would 
like to ban AR-15 style weapons, and then everything else would be registered where you would have to pay $200 per unit that you register. So let's say you own 10 guns, you would have to pay $2,000 in the form of a fee or tax just to register those 10 guns. And then any magazines over 10 round capacity would also have a $200 per unit tax to register to me. That that one's that is scary stuff right there. Yeah. And I think that one's much easier to challenge. Like I don't see them getting away with that one as easily. I think uh, getting rid of pistol braces or at least making it so we can no longer shoulder them, uh, low hanging fruit. Uh, I think that going after the 80% lowers, not as low hanging fruit, but still on the chopping block. Um, but throwing magaz- high capacity magazines at some arbitrary level into the NFA, nah, I, yeah. that's not low hanging fruit. That's going to be a battle. Yeah, I agree with that. I also I think about the eighty percent receiver thing, and I've said this before. It's fascinating to me that 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 could even be considered as low hanging fruit because, like, it has been. American since the beginning, it's been legal to manufacture your own firearm for your own personal use. Well, but what one, one, I mean, but that's the thing. Like we can't think of this in binary world of like either you can or you can't just like pistol braces. It's not like they have to go away. It might just be, you can't shoulder them anymore. So in the same thing with an 80% lower, it might just be that now you must serialize them. Right. That would be a simple, like, it's it's it doesn't have to be binary. But my point is, I'm not saying what's going to happen. I'm saying that there's lots of potential outcome outcomes here. That the, the only outcomes are not either nothing changes or they're gone completely. There's none other the potential outcomes. outcomes. None of the gun, none of the outcomes are good. <laughs> no, no, I, I, don't, I don't I don't disagree. <laughs> now, I just want to make sure that we all understand that it's not yeah. binary. There's a lot of yeah. potential things that, sure. that, that come sure. of that. Um. You know, and, and and it's fair to acknowledge that, you know, Mark, and Mark says ATF can't do all of that in, in refer, referencing the whole registration and taxing scheme. That is true. Biden would need the Senate. Uh, but, but you know, the Senate's not totally decided yet either. So, um, yeah. Well, if, if, not if you can interpret something to already be part of the existing NFA. If you can interpret something to already be part of the existing NFA, then tax stamp is already applied, right? And that's where the pistol braces come to play. Well, like, I, I think Mark was talking about the taxing uh, oh, sure, sure, sure. part well, as far as like, like, like gun registration. But then so, we already have, we already pay a tax to register an NFA. Item. But NFA, but what, but the other Biden plan, which is to register and tax all, like basically you have to register everything you own. Oh yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's a different game. Yeah. Yeah. I misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Um, by the way, Momentary pause or break for this. Oh, wait. Wow. That one's on there. Good, Jacob. Maybe this is a... As I recall, you made fun of me for something very similar. This is not a twist top. This is not a twist top. This actually requires a bottle opener. Okay. Oh, man. So So I'm actually attempting to open a bottle of Round Barn root beer. And Jacob and I saw the Round Barn in Arcadia, Oklahoma. And uh, I have the round, the official round barn root beer, which I'm going to have a taste here as soon as I find a bottle opener. <laughs> okay, check out the label and see where it was actually made. 
Like, did they make the round bar Arcadia, Oklahoma root beer in Florida or something stupid? Brewed and bottled by OKC Soda Company, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73114. Okay, well, that's not too bad then. Legit. <laughs> but All right. it was pretty funny to see you try and open that thing and you were unable to. I, I was surprised. And then I'm like, oh, wait, there's no threads on that bottle cap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Jacob. Or it's a uh, cop out for you not being able to open it either way. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Jacob, uh, give us a rundown on the this article from journal-news.net, a story out of Martinsburg. I don't remember the state, uh, but this is Ransom Man alleged to have sold illegal gun parts across 46 states. I presume Ransom is the city he lives in, so otherwise yeah. this doesn't make sense. So this man from Ransom is arrested by federal authorities because he has an online retail store where he sells these 3D printed parts that he apparently advertises as wall hangers. Uh, However, they're not really intended to be as wall hangers uh, or he's extremely naive uh, because what people do with them is they use them to... He's not naive. (laughs) He's not naive. (laughs) I've given him the benefit of the doubt. These are allegations. Okay. No, he knows. So <laughs> at portablewallhanger.com, you buy this 3D printed uh, hook, wall hook, supposedly, uh, made with two pieces. And then when you disassemble them, one of those two pieces functions as an illegal drop-in auto sear, uh, which eff- effectively converts a uh, carbine rifle from semi-automatic into fully automatic. That's mm-hmm. illegal. Uh, yeah, you can't do that. You can't You can't make them and sell them. That's That's... So he's in big trouble. And we see yeah. about once or twice yeah. a year, we get an article like this. Somebody making yeah. something either stupidly, you know, they probably like do it once. Like, that was so cool. They're like, wait, I can sell some of these. And and so once or twice a year, we we, we find someone who gets gets the, the beat down from the ATF for doing something like this. Yeah. I mean, this is playing with fire. Uh, I think this guy knew exactly what he was doing. In fact, if you read some other articles about this uh, out there online, there's 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 documented uh, communications where it was very you know it was very apparent this guy knew knew what he was selling, knew what he was doing, knew what the intent was, but he was doing everything he could to um, make it seem as innocuous as possible and fly under the radar. But you know what? We just got done talking about the ATF, and uh, those guys ain't dummies over there. Uh, and somebody over there got wind of this and I'll tell you what, how this sort of thing probably comes to light if it's not sent to them in some way, or if they don't stumble upon it in some way is if a gun were seized as part of some kind of seizure or in the commission of a crime. And maybe one of these parts are installed and they start going, well, wait, where did this come from? And start, you know, uh, look, you know, running things down. Um, what I know is that they initially started uh, trying to find, you know, the, who this person was behind selling these. And it wasn't that hard because the other thing about this guy playing with fire that indicates he was probably not most intelligent is, you know, here's a little tip. Not that I'm trying to give you legal advice or advice how to break the law, but I'll tell you what, if you're going to do something kind of fishy or uh, uh, a little bit off color or whatever, uh, borderline grade area with the law, Maybe don't consider registering the domain name for the business that you're creating in your own name. Just just a tip, just a little hint. 
because that that's how that's how like once they found the website, they just checked the registry and they're like, boom, got him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's 10 bucks a year for domain privacy. Just exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Again, to be clear, not advocating for any breaking of the law, fellas. Anyway, this dude's host. He's going to, you know, maybe maybe there's some kind of settlement that that comes out of this, depending on how good of an attorney he could hire to help him out. But he's probably hosed. So, yeah, sketchy is the term. Thank you, Jared. All right. Oh, uh, speaking of which, I, I did find a bottle opener. And so round barn root beer, having a sip. And? It's not bad. It's not bad. It's um, it's very uh, homemade tasty, you know, like kind of has that, that, that small batch homemade kind of, mm-hmm. kind of flavor. Pretty dark um, or pretty light? Uh, medium dark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we are not the kind of people you want to invite to a party we are so, so boring. boring yeah <laughs> like, we, like randy randy's commenting about our different happy hour beverage choices <laughs> you should I'm see the you should see the looks <laughs> the, the looks me and riley get in restaurants <laughs> when some poor waste staff comes up to the table and asks, you know, hands us a wine list, mentions 25 different beers on tap and says, what would you like? And we say, what brand of root beer do you have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those poor suckers. Oh, man. All right. Okay. But on apparently the-, the takeaway is if you build a barn in a round circle shape, then that's that becomes a landmark and schools will send kids there to tour the thing. And you can have your very own brand of root beer. That's right. Because you have a round barn. Yeah. All right. Delaware court strikes down ban on hunting with semi-autos. I'm going to run over this pretty fast, Jacob. You can add anything else you'd like. Basically, it sounds like the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Control, the department in the state of Delaware that regulates hunting that uh, apparently between last year and this year's hunting season, they just out of the blue decided to ban semi-automatic rifles as an option for hunting. And so people said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, where, where is this in the law? Like you guys are just making up regulation on a state level. Uh, people weren't happy. And so uh, the DNREC was sued by the Delaware state sportsman's association and a federal court has ruled, or excuse me, the Delaware Superior Court has ruled in favor of the Delaware State Sportsmen's Association, meaning that they have struck down the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Control regulation that banned semi-automatic rifles as being viable options for hunting. There you go. Anything else, Jacob? No, I, I think that there's probably more backstory, and I was trying to understand it and read it, but I think you got the gist. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a gist. All right, uh, give us, I know you had to look into this in a little bit because this was news to you, but uh, tell us about this Ohio Buckeye, well, BuckeyeFirearms.org website article from Buckeye Firearms Association. Ohio Senate passes Senate Bill 317 to allow armed school staff. Okay. What's, the, what's the gist on this? So this bill, I think, still has to go to the House, if I'm not mistaken. So to be yeah. clear to anyone who's from Ohio, this is not a done deal. 
though it did pass the Senate t- with a vote 21 to 11. So it looks like it has pretty good support, at least in the Senate. So here's the deal. Here, if, if, if what I can gather is true, and Matthew, he's from Ohio, he could tell us, but basically what you do is you have a school district, Madison School District in Butler County, which decides to put certain staff through a training program known as Faster Saves Lives, fastersaveslives.org. This is a program that's been gaining a lot of momentum over the last many years, and it's specifically designed for this thing. Like It's a very purpose-driven program to prepare staff of, of a school to be able to be armed at that school. So this school district in Butler County, Madison School District, they decide to to permit some staff to be armed after they complete this training program. Well, apparently uh, someone doesn't like that very much. So a group of parents supported by uh, Every Town for Gun Safety, which is a Mike Bloomberg anti-gun, you know, well-funded organization, they sue, uh, they, they file a lawsuit, okay, against, I don't know who, the school district or somebody, and say, no, 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 you can't do that. And basically the gist of this, if, I, if I'm picking up what's been putting down, is the lawsuit says, if you if you do this, if you arm these staff, then effectively they are like cops and they have to pass the same kind of uh, qualification standards that a, that a police officer or a peace officer would have to pass, which is 700 hours of training and who knows whatever else other thing. So then the the... That, that's a problem. And Madison School District's like, ah, suck. Uh, okay, problem. We don't know what to do. So so then now what we have is we have some legislators saying, okay, fine. Like, you want to play hardball? We'll just pass a law. And so that's what this new law is. Ohio Senate Bill 317 basically says, no, 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 no. Uh, they're not peace officers. They don't have to pass the same training that peace officers have to pass. They can just like it's up to the school district. If the school district wants to have armed staff, like Merry Christmas, you are empowered to do so. Have a nice day. Yeah. And, and I would say that if, if this gets to the house, it looks very promising in terms of the, uh, as far as governor DeWine signing it, because he's already um, issued guidance in the past supporting programs like this. So uh, anyway, if you are a, a an Ohio resident, uh, I think this is a good thing. You might consider contacting your house representatives in, in, in Ohio and ask that they support Senate bill three one seven. I think teachers armed in schools is absolutely a viable solution. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing I just, I've said this before that it just boggles my mind. Jacob is we, we hold teachers up as some of the most trusted people in society we trust them with our children to teach and educate them. And they were like, but no, we don't trust you to do something that might potentially save lives. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's super valid. Here's here's like my freak out on this one. My freak out on this one is we, we, we perceive that, you know, people like you and me, Riley, like the people listening to this podcast, that we're all like hillbilly joes who don't know how to shoot a gun and we're just (laughs) stuffing them in our pants and walking around but cops oh those cops they got so much training that they you know that that they're okay to have guns it's like what like this just blows my mind um everyone is as good with a gun as they want to be cop or not and that's the takeaway and so for this school district in ohio to say we're going to put people through some training that's purpose built for this very thing and if you go through that training, we think you're good enough. 
I don't, I don't, I don't understand what the issue is with that. Yep. Yep. That faster program is a great program. And in fact, a couple of good uh, friends of mine locally here that are, that are law enforcement officers are actually uh, instructors and and, uh, put on programs for teachers right here in Colorado for some of those more rural school districts that uh, are able to have armed staff here in Colorado. I'm thankful for that. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, these friends of mine speak very highly of the curriculum of this faster program. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I see no problem here. So carry on. Um, all right. Pennsylvania on the, on the Pennsylvania state news, amoland.com reports, uh, Senate gives final approval to state of emergency bills. Basically what we have here are two bills, both house bills. One is 2440. The other one is 1747. Um, these, have actually so the Senate has voted on these. Uh, both of these have been passed uh, on a a twenty nine twenty vote, and my understanding is is these these are going to the governor's office now. At this point, uh, in fact, the, the the ask here is that you contact Pennsylvania State Governor Tom Wolf and encourage him to sign both of these bills. Now, what are these bills? House Bill twenty four forty designates shooting ranges, sportsman clubs, hunting facilities, and business relating to the sale or production of firearms and ammunition as life-sustaining. So it's just categorizing under state law that anything basically gun-related business-wise is essential business. House Bill 1747 would prevent state and local governments from suspending or limiting the sale, dispensing, or transportation of firearms. I hope it also includes ammunition doesn't really say that though, uh, during a declared emergency, it would also remove carry provisions or excuse me, carry prohibitions that exist at times with exemptions. So it just kind of reminds me of anytime I see something like this reminds me of, uh, like hurricane Katrina, right? So you had a, uh, natural disaster or disaster de- declaration, uh, or emergency declaration. And, uh, uh, and with that, you know, police, now this was totally wrong in the case of Hurricane Katrina, in my opinion, you know, police actually went in and like seized firearms from, from folks. Um, and there's been other times that similar things have been attempted in other jurisdictions. So this is basically saying firearm related businesses are always considered essential regardless of what's going on. So if we have another COVID crisis, we have essential businesses only allowed to be open. Firearm businesses are protected in that. And secondarily to that, Jurisdictions, local and state governments cannot keep people from being able to buy or sell guns. So, yep, yep. If uh, any sort of emergency situation, keep keep your mitts off the gun world. That's that's the takeaway here. And yep. it sounds like that uh, Pennsylvania, despite whatever else you might think about the state, uh, the representatives of the House and the Senate feel strongly enough that that's a good idea. Yep. Final story out of, this is from the Washington Free Beacon, freebeacon.com. This is covering a story out of Montana where, and I I feel like we talked about this on the podcast at one time, um, some number of episodes ago, but there was this big ballot referendum in the state of Montana that uh, did pass. This is on the, in, in the favor of second amendment rights. Okay. So, um, basically the way that what, what this was is you had 
anti-gun organizations spending tons of money trying to make it so that this ballot referendum wouldn't pass. And what this referendum is all about is essentially restricting state and other local, or excuse me, well, preventing local governments, so cities and counties, from creating law, gun law, that's more restrictive than the state or federal law. So this is a, this is a preemption statute, if you will. And this ballot initiative or ballot referendum did, in fact, pass in the state of Montana. So that will become law. That's a good thing. I that's think. a good thing. I think it's a good thing just purely for, for uh, well, this is another balance of, you know, of, of check and balance kind of thing where the argument could be made either way. But what is definitely true is that we're now today in 2020 in a world where people travel a lot and we're constantly crossing state uh, lines, not to mention city and county lines. And at the very least, I think it's reasonable that within a, within a state, I should not have to uh, burden myself with finding out whether or not the gun laws vary from this city to that city, from this municipality to that municipality. I should have some degree of confidence that if I've researched the state law and I've endeavored to do everything reasonable I can to follow it, that I'm not going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, think about all the things we have, even in the legal boundaries by state book, right? Where in certain states, you're like, well, this is the law statewide, but in Lincoln, Nebraska, or Omaha, Nebraska, or in Chicago, you know, Illinois, or whatever, there's these other laws, right? Mm-hmm. Like, beware of this when you're in this jurisdiction. How burdensome that is on gun owners is it's insane. I think so. You know, I'm a big believer in in government that's closest to the people is usually the most effective government. But there are certain things, particularly constitutionally protected Bill of Rights types things. Second Amendment is what I'm referring to, obviously, especially so here in this context, um, that I think should be protected very clearly and standardized for everybody. Um, Here's a beautiful thing that I think is really cool about this legislation yeah. is these, these preemption statutes generally, what they do not say is you cannot pass any firearm laws. What they generally say is you can't pass any laws that are more restrictive than the state mm-hmm. laws, which I think is quite clever because that, what that, what that means is that if, if, a, if a local municipality wants to be more generous, more liberal about their gun laws, they can, they just can't be more restrictive than the state. And yeah. I think that's that's rather uh, unique and kind of clever thing about this pre- these preemption statutes. That, that's pretty consistent across most states that have a preemption mm-hmm. statute. Yeah, which supposedly we have one in Colorado, but not. Yeah, it's pretty weak, yeah. <laughs> but you can always go to concealedcarry.com forward slash laws and click on any state. And in within that summary of state laws, you'll see whether or not that state has some sort of preemption statute mm-hmm. or preemption practice in place. Yeah, yep. Awesome. That's a great resource. Uh, yes, of course, there's all kinds of resources available for free at concealedcarry.com. Uh, and uh, of course, don't forget about a reciprocity map. That's also there. That's such a clever, nifty tool of ours. The legal summaries is great. Yes, a lot of that information is uh, that is in the legal boundaries by state book is also on the website. But we went. We worked really hard to make that legal boundaries by state book really helpful, intuitive, easy to reference, 
easy to just throw in the car and the truck and have with you at all times, even if you don't have cell service. And yeah, plus by buying legal boundaries by state book, you support us, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, people want what they want. So if you're a person who loves apps, like go download our app, all the legal information's in there. If you're a person who wants a website, bonus, all that info is on our website. Go to the website, click on laws. If you're the person who wants a book and millions of, of books like this get sold every year, fine, no problem. We put it in a book. Go, go buy the book. The book also happens to have 30 other pages of uh, valuable and useful information that's not legal reference material, but it is all about how to interpret the law and some other things too. So anyway, that's the story of the book. Yep. Yep. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, Legal Boundaries by State Book is a sponsor of today's episode, but also so is CCW Safe. And before I forget, I'm going to say ccwsafe.com. Uh, we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, guys, uh, use the uh, discount code CC podcast to save 10% off a CCW safe membership. And if you're interested in saving more, well, join guardian nation and save more. So, and we know our guardian nation members are really appreciative of of that benefit as as long as well as with many other benefits uh, and more stuff to come. All right. So, so excited. I, I, Jacob, and I know you're excited too. We are so excited about the year 2021, guys. Number one, because hopefully it means we get out of this coronavirus pandemic crap. Number two, because there's some cool stuff coming in 2021. Stay some tuned. Super cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to a conclusion of another fine Concealed Carry podcast episode. We'll bid uh, Jacob adieu and a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Riley. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to the day off and and just being totally focused on my family. So, guys, uh, everyone take care out there. Be safe wherever you are. Uh, be good practitioners of of concealed carry and also of the law. Be, you know, we 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 believe in being good uh, citizens. Um, and uh, not jeopardizing our Second Amendment rights any more than they already are. So, guys, until next time, we'll be back here next week with more content from the, from the podcast. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.